It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Social tension and racial unrest continue in America and right here in the state of Utah. Many issues surrounding prejudice, discrimination, and hate remain absolutely unresolved. Some choose to ignore these crucial conversations. Some cravenly use injustice and bigotry to stoke the fires of frustration and anger for political purposes. Others are so consumed by the past division and current contempt that they're unwilling and unable to engage in forward-moving conversations about solutions for the future. There are also many who, far away from the cameras and the spotlights, actually lean in and listen and learn They link and lock arms with fellow citizens in order to step forward toward a better and brighter future. For the next two hours, I invite you to join me on a journey to the essence of race relations here in the state of Utah. We'll begin with the experience of a famous biracial couple, and we'll chat with the first indigenous member of the South Salt Lake City Council. We'll speak with political, business, and faith leaders about race relations here in the state, where we've been, where we are, and what must come next. As we strive to work together, all of us here in the state of Utah, to live up to America's promise that all are created equal. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We are thrilled as part of our crucial conversation today to be joined by two of my favorites, uh, Julie Boyer and Alex Boyer. Uh, And they have a a unique story to tell and unique perspective in terms of how do you overcome hate and prejudice and bigotry. And if you didn't see this at Deseret.com, you need to check out uh, Julie Boyer's piece on perspective. And uh, thanks to both of you for joining us for this crucial conversation today. Thank you, Lloyd. Thanks for for having us. Wonderfully. And Julie, I'm going to start with you because uh, you started off uh, this piece by sharing a letter that you received years ago uh, tell us about that. Yeah, you know, we had just barely moved into the neighborhood, and it was. I just went out to get the mail one day, and it was a stamped envelope from from Pennsylvania, which I thought was strange. and And the the lettering on the front was, you know, addressed to me personally, but it was like um, as if a kindergartner had written it. Like it was, they had like tried to disguise the handwriting. So I was like, I, I, I was just was confused. It had backwards R's and all these different kinds of letters. And But then when I opened it, it was typed and it just was this horribly crass, vulgar, just rated R, you know, if you will, letter about how horrible I was for uh, basically ruining our race by marrying a black man and having mixed race children. Yeah. And I just was yeah blown away totally baffled by it yeah the the letter was just absolutely uh almost unreadable uh when you just yeah. see that the hate and the contempt and the bigotry uh that was in there and uh and Alex from your standpoint uh having your wife receive 
uh, a letter based on the fact that you are black and Julie is white. Uh, tell me your yep. thoughts going back to that day. You know, it's a point where it's funny, even when we, um, before we got married, you know, we, we kind of talked about this. It wasn't a serious subject, but just, just that this stuff was going to happen, you know, and it wasn't, but it's just one thing when we talk about it and then when it actually does happen. I don't know if Julie's done this to me. I think she might have. I don't know. We haven't talked about it, but this stuff that I've had that I've hidden from her mm. because I didn't, I didn't want it to, you know what I mean, to, to upset her. Yeah. And so that was one of the ones that got through. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was just taken aback because it was, I was almost glad for once that it came to me and not him. Yeah. Because, you know, 99% of the time it's him getting the flack about being black, being a black Mormon and being a black Mormon singer, you know, just three strikes against him. And I was, I, I told him about it, that I had gotten this letter. This was, you know, at the time. And he, without even blinking an eye or saying anything else, he said, I'm, I'm so sorry that you got that because of me. And it broke my heart because it was just like mm. business as usual for him. You know, for me, it was the first time I had personally been attacked. But right. for him, he was like, oh, well, you know, join the club. And I'm sorry that you got that because of me. But like, like it was not that it was no big deal, but he wasn't, he, there was just no surprise where my jaw was like to the floor yeah. and he was just like, yeah, you know, welcome to our life as yeah. black people. I was just like, Oh my gosh, I felt terrible, but I was glad for once that it was me and not him. Yeah. And I think that's so important that we, we always make sure we're looking at it from all sides and from all the different perspectives and something that was just a shock and something new to you is something that Alex has, had been dealing with his, his whole life. Uh, yeah. so you, you kept this letter, uh, and now it's, it's 10 years later and you took time to pen a, a response to the writer of the letter, uh, with a lot of really important lessons in it for all of us. Give us a, a couple of pieces. I was showing it to my brother. I sent a picture, a screenshot of the letter to my whole family just to, I, you know, it's just, it was so shocking. I wanted them to see it too. And he made me burn it. Mm. And so we burned it over my kitchen sink and just, he was like, you know, just watch it burn in flames, like, let it go, you know, kind of thing. But before I had burned it, I, I took a screenshot, you know, I had that screenshot and I, I saved that and not because I wanted to harp on it or always remember it. But I knew that someday the day would come where I, you know, had this courage or this, you know, I don't know, bravery to write back and, and to say, like, you know what, in your face, <laughs> we have this thriving family. and um you can't you can't get us down you know we're a thriving family of 10 and like i said in the letter in a in a world that other side otherwise criticizes us for for being so large and you know you can call my kids mongrels but they are confident and they're kind and they're trying to be like jesus and you can say that you know you would rather your children be married to an abusive white man as opposed to being with a good black man i mean that's that's baloney. They're just saying anything they can to, to get under my skin. And, and, you know, and then they sign it concerned parents. And I'm like, you know, it's more like concerning parents. Yeah. And so I, I guess it, it just felt kind of good to be like, okay, 10 years later, I have eight kids at the time you sent it. I had two and look at us now, like in your face is all I, I wanted to say. I, I, you know, Alex tried to help me tone down the letter because he's so good at being positive. But I was like, no, no, I really want to put this in. He's like, no, no, no. Let's keep it positive and keep it, you know, respectful. And yeah. 
he's good at that at, at toning me down. He's had a lot of practice over the years with all the racial comments he's gotten. Yeah, <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, you know, there's times when I've been in my response. There's times when I've wanted to be more Malcolm X yeah. <laughs> than <laughs> Martin Luther King. <laughs> And, and I want to be so, more like Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm definitely not coming up from a place of perfection and I've got it down because there's times when I've, I've had very different reactions and I've been mad and been angry and wanting to just like, you know, swear yeah. the whole place down. Yeah. And then there's times when I've got to put my Mormon head back on and realize <laughs> <laughs> and say, okay, Alex, you know, what would Jesus do? That's and right. Really, that sounds really cheesy. But honestly, you know, especially, you know, during the George Floyd, you know, situation yeah. and everything where just things just came to a head. And, you know, um, there was stuff that people had written, people who I'd loved and respected, who had, you know, put their perspective on George Floyd and the race and him in black. And it just hurt a lot. Yeah. So I had to I had to just keep going back to the cheesiest thing ever that people were like, oh, really? What would Jesus do? And it, it was real for me. It works every time. And it is it is one of the things we love about you, Alex, is that positivity. And uh, we always say around here, you know, speak in anger and you'll give the best speech you ever live to regret. Uh, <laughs> and, and one of the things well, I love. a lot of speeches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I just, I, I do love, Julie, that in your response uh, to, again, just this hateful vulgar, vile uh, letter that you received a decade ago uh, that you concluded with that positive focus that there's hope for your kids and maybe even hope for you uh, that maybe your kids yeah. would be the pioneers of peace in your family uh, and break that chain of of division, of bigotry, of hate. Uh, and I think that is the message. Uh, and I love that in your amazing family of 10, your eight gorgeous children, uh, who all are clearly confident, dynamic, and, and just look at the world as all the possibilities. Uh, so, Julia, yeah. as, as we kind of round this out, uh, what's your message to the rest of us? Uh, maybe not. Uh, we're not out there writing hate letters and, and being angry and bigoted, but what is the message for the rest of us in terms of the way we should be approaching these conversations? You know, I, I think it's just the message that several of our black brothers and sisters would want to also share is that it's basically awareness and just, you know, for Black History Month, give them that month. Let them celebrate that month when they are being highlighted, when they are being you know, in the public eye, um, let them have their time to shine, you know, when we can say as much as we want, like, oh, well, every month is is the same. We all, you know, we all, all lives matter. Like, yeah, they do. And they know that. But let them let them have a moment where they can bask in all the glory of, of their podcasts and their blogs and things that they're writing about. Let them shine and bringing awareness to the things that they experience because, I didn't know it until I experienced it myself and, and you don't really care until it happens to you. Yeah. It's like my mom always says, I, you know, when, when we talk about mother's day and father's day, she was, I'd get so angry and I'm like, well, what about kids day? And she said, every day is kids day. (laughs) And it always kicked me off because I was like, no, that's not fair. Not fair. And I think that's the same for black people. You know what? Every month is, is white month. Like let us just have one where we're celebrated. (laughs) Oh, and then Alex, I'll give you one last uh, crack at it as well. This, not for an angry rant, but for a happy rant, uh, <laughs> because you you have pointed out that uh, every month is Black History Month for you, uh, and you have that experience. Yeah. But what's your message uh, to everyone, all races, all genders, all faith based? How should we be having conversations with each other? 
I just think it's almost like we treat each other like investigators for the church. Because if you notice, like when we're when we're visiting with an investigator, we accept all their flaws, all their weaknesses, mm. all their craziness, everything, and we accept it and we embrace it and we strive to help and support. So you know, I've always said that sometimes to my you know to to us at home. You know, sometimes when we want to get mad at our kids. For doing something and i'm like okay what if this was an investigator how would we treat our kid <laughs> so that's kind of my message it's like let's treat each other like investigators and that's a message for me too oh, you know but sometimes i've not always been best at it <laughs> yeah fantastic uh, julie and alex boyer we thank you for modeling what grace looks like uh and what lean-in conversations sound like and i hope we can all elevate uh and get to that level thanks for your perspective today thank, thank you, you. Coming up, Native Americans were the first ones to inhabit Utah, but they're often discriminated against or even forgotten about when it comes to policy and opportunity. How do we change that? We're going to discuss that coming up after this. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.